All right. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, AJ and Vanya. Uh, AJ was sick last week. Now this week, Vanya's got it. And it you know, I, I just, I think it's so wonderful when married couples share, don't you think so? <laughs> anyway, they're, they're, uh, she's home and, and she's sick. And uh, Diane was just sharing that Michelle Vincent, her, her daughter, oldest daughter, uh, she's had uh, the flu now for a week. So she's asking prayers for her. And also Holly, uh, not Holly, but uh, Julia. Julia and the kids as well. Uh, remember them? I guess they've been sucked in down there in Tennessee. Those wimpy wimps down there. Uh, they may have had those long rifles back in the day, but I'm telling you. Everybody snowed in. Give them give a foot of snow and, and, and the world's come to an end. It's kind of like when you're driving behind people out there and, and, and there's no reason for them to be going 20 miles an hour. And you can, it's all, almost like you can hear their brain screaming, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, no, I'm just going to die. Don't put along the line, I don't know. No, they were okay, they should have stayed home. <clears throat> but... Anyway, I guess everybody has some place they have to be, and so you just have to learn to be patient. No. <laughs> no. How do I know that? Because it was the wrong time of day. Although I know, how you know, maybe some churches too. You know, who knows? Anyway, Psalm sixty-three. We're looking at part number four, and we'll only have one more after this. Will be part five coming from here. And so we press on in Psalm 63, discovering as we go additional steps that we can take to realize revival can take place anytime and anywhere if we have a plan. Revival usually doesn't happen unless someone has a plan. I'm talking about a personal revival in your own personal lives. But it is amazing that if an individual gets, gets, undergoes a revival, then usually somebody else undergoes, and an entire church can undergo a revival. But Psalm 63 provides us with steps that you and I can take <clears throat> when it seems life is overwhelming and our circumstances are beating us down. And that seems pretty much like if you're a Christian going out in the world every day. <laughs> and you listen to the news, and if the workplace doesn't beat you down, you listen to the news, the news beats you down, and so on there. So... And that's why it's important to say, you know what, maybe it's been a rough day. And at lunchtime, you, you just you don't know if you're going to make it through the rest of the day. And you know what, you just have to get alone. Say, Lord, I need a revival. I need to be revived. So anyway, Psalm 63 and verse 1 was the first one we looked at. <clears throat> we said that uh, we need to schedule a daily time to meet with God so that we can be closer to Him. That's the purpose of it, is to be closer to Him. And I, I don't think... You know, there's, I believe there's, there's another time in which we can use petitions to be praying for others. But when you're beginning your day, it should be about you and the Lord, the Lord and you. Amen? I'm not saying you can't pray for others during that particular time, but you need to make sure you spend adequate time so that you yourself can get closer to God. That, that is really so vital, so very important. And then, of course, Psalm 63 and verse 1 again, uh, which is point number two, is create a desire to know him more fully, even as Paul craved to know him, him, him more fully. And so we should want to know him more fully. Just about the time you think you got him in a container. About the time you think you got in a box, you realize that you can't put God in a box. There is so much more. Every, every time you grow a little more, you see more. You understand more. And so... I didn't even know that in our redeemed bodies, in our uh, glorified bodies, I don't know if we're going to be able to comprehend God fully 
in just a short time there. It'll probably take us all of eternity to be able to comprehend the vastness of who God is and the depth and the breadth. And so number three, it was also from Psalm 63 in verse 1, uh, use one's pain as a stepping stone rather than a stopping place. Some people, they, they, they find themselves with dealing with some kind of a disease or some, maybe something else has happened, uh, and they go into an emotional pain, a physical pain, financial pain, uh, whatever it might be. And uh, so, and then it's good, they kind of like, oh, prayer stops, Bible reading stops, going to church begins to slack off a little bit here and there along the way there. Uh, that's not the time to do those things. It's the time to step up and to get closer to God if you can. And then, of course, uh, the fourth one that we had looked at last week was from Psalm 63 and verse 2, which was allow one's past to stir up affections from past deliverances. Now, if you have any history with God, and you, like the rest of us, uh, have, I'm sure, moments that you regret because of something you said, something you did, or something you should have done but you didn't do. And so you have those moments of uh, failures and uh, those uh, times when you just blew it. Uh, I know I just disappointed the Lord on those things there and uh, so on there. But uh, rather than getting down in the dumps, we know we're going to kind of undergo satanic attacks. The last thing he wants to see is a praying Christian reading his or her Bible or sharing the gospel with others along the way, or going to church on a regular basis and watching them grow. He doesn't like that. And so you're going to come under all kinds of satanic attacks from all different directions along the way there. And so you just have to remember those times that uh, God got you through. And that's what David has often done. A lot of these psalms are David's reflection on his relationship with God and God's relationship with him through his wilderness wanderings prior to his wilderness wanderings as well as his time as a king. And so tonight... Chasing after God by offering praise as a gift to God. Offering praise. Uh, how often do you praise God? That time that you spend between just you and the Lord not praying for someone else, it's a time to, also a time to praise God. Amen? A time to lift him up. A time to magnify him. A time to glorify him. Not a buttering him up kind of an idea because you've got to spring and uh, kind of dump on him some special request uh, that uh, is near and dear to your heart necessarily, but just because of who he is. Just to love him because of who he is. And so that's what we're dealing with here in Psalms 63 and verses 3 and 4. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. Isn't that true? That if all I have is God, then that is more than life itself. Because we have adults, young adults, and we have teenagers who... Life to them is doing what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, rather than spending time with God. So you can look at the decisions, you can look at the choices they make, and God is not their life. And it is the Apostle Paul said, God who is my life. And so you can do other things, but God needs to be your life. And those other things are just things that uh, you allow, but you don't allow them to come between you and God. And you don't allow those to come between you and time with God. And that's, a, that's another problem that we see often happening here. But anyway, you know, moving on. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. He is so thankful that in all of his life, whether it was a shepherd boy, whether he was on the, on the lamb from King Saul, Sleeping in caves or sleeping under the stars with a pillow for a rock. The loving kindness of God. The provisions. Now, we need to allow ourselves some time to refresh our memories about things that have been done. And so maybe as you get ready to go to bed at nighttime, you can look back over the day and you have one of those ideas that says, 
I am glad this day is over. But did you look back and see how God got you through that day? Spending some time just thinking about God and how he showed his presence there in spite of all the hustle and the bustle that was going around you. And so key words in verse 2 are praise thee. And in verse 4, thus will I bless thee. When was the last time you blessed God? When was the last time you blessed God? I don't know, maybe you're thinking, that, how, how can I? I'm just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How do I bless God? I'm used to getting blessings from God, but how do I bless God? That's really some food for thought, isn't it? How do I bless God? Praise is one thing because we can have songs that we praise God. Uh, we can use uh, verbal phrases in which we can praise God. But how do we bless God? How do we bless Him? Well, Psalm 31, 33 and uh, ver, uh, Psalm 33 and verse 1 and Psalm 147 and verse 1. Both of these contain this word, praise is comely. Praise is comely. Or as the text would have it, praise is beautiful. It perks up God's ears. Now if I had a voice that I could sing, I would sing to my wife. And she would probably accept it even if it, if you, but I'm not going to do it. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sing. Okay. God will give me a perfect voice. I'll be able to hit every note just right. Uh, but uh, for God, praise is comely. Praising him for getting you through the day. Praise the Lord for holding back and you didn't say what you thought you were going to say and you're glad you didn't say it after all. But there's so many things throughout the day that we can look back on and we can say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for me shutting my mouth for me or thank you for diverting my thoughts in a different direction along the way. And so in those two Psalms, David is there and he says, praise is coming. This is God speaking through him. Praise is coming. Um, that would not be the right term to use. But it excites God. It, really, it excites God. When you uh, start to praise him, it excites him. And let's face it, mumbling and grumbling are exactly, are not exactly a thing of beauty, are they? Uh, you don't like it when your husbands come home mumbling and grumbling. You don't like it when your kids come home mumbling and grumbling. And you don't like it when your wife comes home mumbling and grumbling. God doesn't like it either. So, rather than mumble and grumble, praise Him. Praise Him. So, praising and blessing God is oftentimes overlooked and uh, under practice. And as we read through scriptures, we see that it is so important. Because through the book of Psalm, uh, Proverbs and through the, through the various Psalms, we see that praise... Is, is a, a tremendous element of all those psalms that we read about. Now consider all the things that God is to us. What is God to you tonight? Steve, what's God to you tonight? Master, creator, father. Just one. Oh, everything. Everything. <laughs> Allison, what is God to you? He is uh, the lifter of my head. Lady. How about Carrie? What does God do you tonight? My God. Demi. My comfort. Rochelle. He's my joy. Isabel, we want to get you guys back here too. My strength, my guide, my protector. Okay. Piggy. Jesse. My guardian. 
Pero nada, punto, no hay. Está bien. About Chris. My savior. Mm -hmm. David, Daniel, sorry. My savior, she's told by <laughs> Well, you know, if you go through the Bible, you find he's so many things all wrapped up into one person. And you name some of them that I just put down here. He said, uh, he's a friend. He's a guide. He is a Lord, a Savior, our comforter, our teacher. He's an anchor. And so these are just a few things. In, but we've got to expand our thinking and our understanding of, of who God is. And sometimes how we define God or describe him or, or ascribe to him a character is because we've been through something and he's delivered us as we've heard or we were sinners on the road to hell and he saved us but he's also been a friend to us so to acknowledge and express how important these things are to us and that God is all these things and so much more is to bless him thank you Lord I praise you for being my friend a friend who will never what? Never leave, never forsake you. He's a savior. He called you. He redeems you. He died for you. There's so many things to each of these names. If you, if you have a problem, then, then go to uh, Isaiah chapter 7. And you can read through Isaiah chapter 7 that he's a counselor, he's a prince of, he's a prince of peace, and so on. So <clears throat> he has so many things to us, sometimes more one than another, depending on what we're dealing with, what we're going through. And so it is to voice what God is and what God means to you and I. And we need to take some time. And you go into the scripture, you can circle maybe some aspect of God that you've experienced. Or another aspect that maybe God's going to one day have you experience one way or another. And so the problem is all too often that we are selfish and life is all about us and what God can do for us rather than what we can do for God. What was the famous line? that Fitzgerald Patrick Kennedy made as a statement in his inaugural address. Ask not what the country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And maybe we ought to just take some notes and ask ourselves just to be cognizant in our prayer life about how much it's about our wants and about our desires very little about God and God's wants and God's desires in our lives. Now we can go through the Bible, we know what God wants from us, amen. We know what God's desires are concerning us but how do we turn them over to the Lord? And uh, we've got to get that particular point where we don't make our prayer lives all about us. Yes, we have a burden for the lost. We have a burden for the backslidden. And we have various other burdens for health reasons and we, and we do have those and we do pray for those. There also has to be a time somewhere throughout the day where we can actually just simply just love upon the Lord. Let him know how precious he really is to us. And we know how precious we are to him. Amen. Who gives a son to be rejected and to be despised? To be beaten within an inch of his life and to be nailed to a, to a cruel and rugged cross. And then verbally 
call out to crucify him. And he did that for you and me. So we tend to pray primarily because we need or want something and are convinced that God can or might just be the go-to person for that. Now the incentive seemingly lays within our motives being the prospect of getting our wants fulfilled rather than our needs. And so God always weighs the needs to the wants. We may want things that God says, you know, you really don't need that. You think you do, but you don't really need that. You can get by without it. Remember the Apostle Paul? His want was to get rid of that thorn in his flesh, whatever it was, so that he could be more effective. Well, that's not what, that's not what the Apostle Paul needed. What did the Apostle Paul need? He needed God's grace. That's what he needed. And he said, sufficient is thy grace. And so sometimes we have to learn that not all our wants are valid. Or even if they're valid, it may not be a priority with God concerning our lives. The incentive seemingly lays within those areas. Now the differences between wants and needs are best determined by God. In James chapter 4 and verse 3 where it says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. And that we may consume it upon our lust. Now there are things that again that goes to the idea of wants as opposed to what our needs are. So praise is just the opposite of receiving as it is giving. Praise is something you give whether you praise an individual or whether you praise God. So it does not exist for our benefit though it does make for a merry heart. So praise is not for our benefit as much as it is for, for, for God to be blessed with our love and our compassion expressed with praise. So <clears throat> praise is what we do because it blesses the Lord. He loves praise and for this reason God commands that we praise him. It's really a commandment of God to praise him. Not what we get or not over what we get or what he can give. Rather to simply give to him something that he enjoys and desires. Because a lot of our wants are all about our, our, our things for us to enjoy or to fulfill a desire that we've got. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give us things that bring us joy or that bring a, a sense of fulfillment to our desires. But it tends to be lopsided. It tends to be one-sided, doesn't it? All, a lot of times it, it really it, it seems to re exist in the realm uh, we want something from God. We want God to fulfill our wants and our desires rather than us fulfilling his wants and his desires. And so he enjoys and he desires it. Let's give it to him, amen? Not just in church on Sunday morning and then go out the rest of the week and, and act like a bunch of pagans out there mumbling and grumbling and losing your faith in God. So the last one here tonight is, uh, is number six, which is uh, chasing after God by saturating our minds with meditation on God. What do you do when you wake up 3 o'clock in the morning? Flip and flop and toss and turn and kick the covers this way and kick the covers that way and then wake up in the morning feeling totally exhausted, right? Or you can take that time and you can begin to meditate. And oftentimes I will, I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be thinking about a sermon that I had just prepared and uh, what, what do I need to change it? And it's usually something God, you guide me, you direct me. And so uh, when I'm driving down the road, the wife always asks me, what are you thinking about? Well, you know, I'm going over in my mind. 
uh, things about the Lord. Because the last thing I want to do is be errant in what I'm presenting. And so I want to make sure that what I'm thinking is biblical, it's scriptural, and it's God-honoring and God-pleasing along the way. And so there are times when we just need to kind of sit down and just meditate. Meditating is usually this zipper, this open, and this open together. It's about meditating out. What do I know about God? And going over those things that I know about God. Even the blessings that God has given to us, we go over those things. That's meditating on God. And so <clears throat> we see there in Psalm 63 and verse 5, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Those night watches are when you, you kind of wake up. And now when you get old, you wake up a lot of times. And it isn't always easy to get back to because you've had about two hours worth of sleep there. And so you try, you're just kind of laying there. So how do I get back to sleep? And so I have found that very comforting and slipping back into sleep is when you begin to think about the things of the Lord. His grace, his mercy, all the things that we can think about God and we just begin to meditate. Or you took notes during that day. Do some meditation along the way. And so uh, we have all heard it said, uh, if one is having trouble sleeping, try counting sheep. I don't know why. But that's the world's solution to a much better biblical answer. Actually, there, I think I got the wrong letter here, so Mm -hmm. So actually there are, for the redeemed of the Lord, better ways to fall asleep. Thinking and meditating on and about God. Have you fallen asleep when you were praying at nighttime? Well, if you happen to be awakened, God probably has kind of awakened you so that you can do some more loving up on him or thinking about him along the way. It may be that he places a burden on maybe a missionary or one of the children or a spouse. But the idea is to take that time there and, and to meditate on, on the things of the Lord. So our days are often filled with, fr uh, with, with friction and problem solving and strife. And if we aren't careful or cautious, our minds will begin to focus on those negative things in our life. And then we come home and we're in a negative mood. Then we get a negative mood at home because men walk through the door. And if you have a stay-at-home wife that is working hard at home taking care of the kids, and all of a sudden the whole come home experience become negative. And you bring negativity into the home, it's already there, and so, you know, we have to be really careful about all of this stuff here. And so, we've got to be careful. And set a negative tree outside your house. Amen? When you've had a negative day at work, on your way in the house, hang that negativity on, the, on, on that tree, and then walk in the house. Rather than counting sheep, count your blessings. Amen? Counting your blessings. Well, I don't think I've had very many. Oh, well, if you've been saved for any length of time, you get a lot of blessings, amen? So whether from the past or just throughout our day, Satan would rather we focus on our difficulties and have us just toss and turn, toss and turn, toss and turn. So as a means of drawing closer to God, David forced his thoughts to focus on the Lord. And the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, 
Forget it. <laughs> no, the Bible says think on these things. That's positive. That's a positive mindset because you're rehearsing your relationship with God and God with you and the things that God has blessed your life with. So Paul again, he says there, my soul shall be satisfied. Not antsy. Satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. That's always in the dark. Amen. Well, there's six of them so far, and we got just two more to go. And uh, hold on, we'll jump into those a little bit next week. So, for our home viewers, Steve put out the uh, previous one because I, I really wasn't feeling all that well this afternoon, and so I forgot to email it to you. They didn't actually get this thing done until after almost five. Well, uh, just just before five, anyway. So. Um, I don't know if you've heard yet, but Valerie Moore, our missionary to Portugal, she's had a baby boy. His name is, I want to say Grover, does that sound right? Gavin. Gavin, it's Gavin. I'm, thinking, I'm glad she didn't name him Grover. <laughs> That'd be Sesame Street, that wouldn't be good. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's give praise for mom and the baby. Uh, the uh, pictures that we got, I think, um, Chris sent some out, and we, we got some of the pictures there of, of the baby and so on there. And uh, all the ones who were here over the last couple of weeks, they've all made it home safely, and so we're excited about that. Um, let me see here. Continue to pray for uh, uh, Jim Smith for healing of uh, soft tissues, infection in the back of the hand. Oh, so Jack and Chris. Jack is doing better. Chris, she's still fighting vertigo. And as Jack was sharing, that when she is not feeling well, the vertigo seems to uh, to increase along the way. And so, continue to pray for Paul Reese and Barb Mallow, Isabel's eyes, remembering uh, Michelle uh, Vincent and uh, and her battle with the flu. Also remember um, Julia and the boys and the, the children there as well. Uh, pray for them. And uh, Vanya's homesick tonight. Uh, they're sharing. They're sharing different services and. AJ had it last time, now she's got it this time here. Do you guys be praying for them? All right. And let me see if I put anything else. All right. Well, now we have to figure out how we're going to do this. Right. Steve and Allison.